What do you do when you realize that you're a woman trapped in a man's body? What do you do when you realize the man you married is a woman? In this series, we reflect on our past to discuss how we got here and explore where we can go from this point moving forward. Hi, and welcome to The Rage. My name is Jennifer Termini. And I'm Calista Termini. And today we're going to be answering more of our viewers' questions. We get a lot of questions, uh, you know, and we try to answer them as best we can. But every once in a while, uh, I'm sorry, the cat is coming through. <laughs> Jeez, cat. The, anyway, we try to get to answer all the questions. And sometimes, you know, I just don't know the answer or you're too busy or it's a it's a larger question that needs more thought than just a thanks for commenting or I agree with you type of an answer. Yes. So those questions are going to be addressed today. And I've compiled them onto a sheet of paper. Calista has not been prepped other than to say that a lot of these questions have to do with a gender identity, um, expression, labels, things of that nature. And we're going to dive into it. Are you ready, Callista? I am ready. Uh, the only thing that I would say is that uh, just because I have an opinion, it's it's that this and many times I'm speaking from my experience or the experience of lived people that I know. But it doesn't necessarily mean that just because I say it is the only way that there is to be without knowing what the question is. Absolutely. And in fact, in case it's not super obvious, everything that we say on this channel is specific to us. It's our experience. It's yeah. my experience. It's your experience. It's That's all it is. It's not the gospel. It is not the way it has to be for everyone. Yeah. It's our experience. Yeah. And I'm just going to take a second here and point out that this is the first time that I'm wearing glasses on the show. I finally broke down and finally decided I had to get glasses. I fought it uh, for half a century or more. And uh, well, I didn't I had 2020 vision when I was young, so maybe not that. But anyway, just acknowledging like, yeah, I finally broke down and had to get glasses. Yay. Old age. How does it feel wearing them? Weird. Um, I got the progressive lenses, so I'm doing like the whole like, oh, yes, let me read this tea bag, you know, thing. <laughs> because you couldn't see up close. I thought you had d distance issues. It is. It's distance issues, but also seeing small print up close. So I have um, now I have astigmatism. Um, my eyes have a, are astigmatism, whatever that what is. I think it means that the shape is con is, is the shape isn't perfectly round anymore. Okay. <clears throat> I think. Um, so anyway, and then just with age, you know, my eyes are just like, I'm supposed to be dead already. Like if it was like hunter gatherer time, like I'm supposed to be dead. <laughs> so... <laughs> long time ago yeah um but anyway. because you're living living a hard and fast life and like a rock and roller yes girl yes but um a lot of it has to do with um driving especially at night and uh definitely wanting to wear glasses at night so i can see better okay yeah well i will join you in the glasses <laughs> because i've got my readers that i need to wear in order to read these questions so here we go okay. okay the first one i'm not going to say who wrote these questions but these were taken directly off of our youtube site okay so this one says callista okay jam jam really you've got to jam jam is deciding he's going <laughs> to questions boy you gotta move hello pretty says, first you say you want to be treated like any other person but next, you say those of us cisgendered people will never understand what you go through. My question, how can we treat you like everyone else when you say we cannot understand your world? You seem to be setting yourself apart from other women. Though I do not want to sound condescending to you, I appreciate you striving to become your authentic self. I have things I struggle with in trying to find myself as well. 
I'm lacking in the courage to do things necessary to get me to my goals. So when she goes on to say you're an inspiration and that um, she's looking for her courage and she's not trying to offend you, but she's wanting to know if you're setting yourself apart, Mm-hmm. I need to read that again, or do you know what I said? No, I think I pretty much understand the gist of it because there is this interesting dichotomy um, <clears throat> of noticing how there have been times when I've been <clears throat> treated differently. And I think what I'm speaking to, if I if I can answer this succinctly, is how yes, I want to be treated like just any other human being, or more specifically, you know, as a woman. And pretty much I I am. So, you know, but at the same time, I think taking pride in who you are matters. So if I was to compare myself to someone who is of a specific race um, and or cultural identity, feeling, being able to feel proud of that and enjoy those things. And so I, I couldn't, for example, have any understanding of what it feels like to be a black person. I can accept that um, it's a different experience for somebody who's black, but I'm sure that most black Americans want to be treated with the same dignity and respect as any other person. And we do live in a society that um, that privileges white people before anybody else, privileges cisgender people before anybody else. And so I want to be able to have my identity because there, there are things that you just can't understand. And it isn't to necessarily separate myself, but to speak to the experience in a way that um, that that allows me to make sense of my own, uh, you know, existence and will like, wow, like now I understand like where I felt so lost before that it's such an epiphany when you finally find yourself and and get to love that person and recognize like this is this is your truth. This is as close to, you know, that core truth of who you are deep inside. And so there's something wonderful about that. But I also recognize that that does set me apart, as we have seen in, you know, legislation and in the news media in particular, um, you know, how gender has been gender identity, especially people who struggle with their gender identity has been used as a political football. So, um, you know, I want to have the same, you know, love and respect as as anybody else. But at the same time, yes, I want to be able to enjoy the things that make me uniquely me. And I definitely identify as being part of a community. Okay. Well, I think that that was answered. I appreciate that. Thank you. That kind of leads us into the next question from a different viewer who says, and they're making a statement that they believe gender is a social construct. The social construct is that your biology determines your gender. There's only two genders and you're either one or the other and you can't change your gender. Well, I I think that. It's, it's, I'm sorry, say the first part of that again. Society, okay. that's what it was. Gender is a social construct. So, yes. So is race, for that matter. Um, you know, we have cultural identities, um, but, you know, gender, to a certain extent, we're just pointing out like, hey, like you've got an innie and I've got an Audi sort of thing and you're different than I am when, you know, really it's like there is, there's only one race. There's just the human race. And there's, you know, differences created for um, biological procreation and certainly um, men and women, I believe I can safely say, perform different functions in the hunter-gatherer societies of which our, uh, our basic instincts are predicated on the, the women 
were the child bearers and as such really rallied around each other in order to raise young and protect young while by and large the men would be the ones who would have to go out put their lives at risk and hunt and we still see those kinds of um, stereotypes playing out today and so there is this you know there there are these aspects <clears throat> but you know to say it's you know, it's a societal construct. Well, everything's a societal construct when you really think about it. Society existed before we talk about our modern society. Human beings are, are communal creatures. We do not function, uh, you know, by ourselves. We cannot be born and then left on the Serengeti expected to take care of ourselves. So that sense of community creating a social structure, no matter, you know, what, you know, powers exist, um, it's always been that way. We know now scientifically that the question of gender is a much more fluid and complicated, uh, uh, you know, than, than what we once thought so this old sort of mentality of like boys are boys girls are girls xy chromosomes this xx chromosomes that we scientifically know that that does not um, hold true anymore we know that there are actually other types of chromosomes that people can be born with they can be born with xyy if we're just talking about chromosomes and there are so many other things that determine someone's gender i've said right. before that um you know, in, in, there's some evidence to suggest that this is something that happens in the womb during the third trimester, that if you have XY chromosomes and you're supposed to, the, the, the womb, the mother is supposed to provide a strong testosterone wash to set the gender of the uh, brain of the, um, of the baby, that if that doesn't happen, that that can be a result for why someone like me may feel all their life like they were in the wrong body um, or that they feel female. So there's a lot of things out there that we don't know. And this idea of things are black and white just doesn't hold up. Everything in nature is on a spectrum and we are no different. Okay. So I'm not so this other one on here, this question, it's a comment again. It says there are no such thing as cisgender people. You you're meaning biological males or females, question mark. Like, so I guess they're trying to discount the whole concept of cisgender. And where did that even come from? Well, it's Latin and cis means uh, and don't quote me on this, but means of a part, whereas trans means across from. So, you know, if they say that there's no such thing as cisgender people, well, then there's no such thing as transgender people. Right. Got it. There's just, in that case, there's just people. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Okay. So here's another question to you. Most of these questions were for you. <laughs> feel free to, you know, and you should feel free to, you know, weigh in on any of these too yourself. I feel like you have more in-depth knowledge about this. I would just be spitballing and I really, you know, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth. I'll, I'll comment if I think I have something relevant to say, but I feel like this is better for you, you to answer. Me to put my foot in my mouth. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Callista. Oh, wait, any glasses? <laughs> Callista, should being born in the wrong body be considered a birth defect? People seem to accept the fact that some people are born with physical disabilities or challenges. Why is it hard for some people to consider the fact that people can be born in the wrong bodies? Yeah, it shouldn't be hard for people to accept that. And again, when we say people, who are we referring to? We're referring to a minority of people. And oftentimes these are the same people that believe that by the color of your skin or your religion or the race that you um, or, or, or rather the, the, you know, ethnicity um, and the social customs that you come from that 
there is a, oops, sorry. Someone's at the front door. <laughs> oh, what is that? Uh, the doorbell ringing to let us know someone's here because we have a gas leak, among other things. Uh oh, are you going to explode? No, I'm going to start smoking, though, um, <laughs> as soon as they fix it. Um, so a lot of the people who feel that way are the same people who have problems, not just with, you know, my gender identity, but have problems with all types of people. And it comes from a space of uh, intolerance. And, and when you are more tolerant, when, again, this idea of, like, you don't have to understand what it's like to be trans or, or I don't have to understand and I can't understand what it means to be a black person or an Asian person or a fat person uh, and, the, and the experience that they have. But that does not mean that I don't accept them and, and want to be inclusive of their experience because there's something there for me to learn about myself um, and my own limits to my own tolerance. So, you know, there's this, oh gosh, it just flew right out of my mind. The, the idea of bringing up like a birth defect. So for so long, look at how autistic people were treated. When you and I were kids, autism was, you know, we had a very, uh, you know, degrading name for someone with autism. We didn't say that they had autism. We said the R word. And they yeah, were- and that, that word was used with a pretty broad stroke to anyone that was slightly different. Yes. And anything, Asperger's, um, Down syndrome, anything that was just slightly different from. Yes. Yeah. So Asperger's, which we don't really even say anymore, because even that person is named after a doctor who was actually very degrading to people with autism. So we just refer to it now as ASD, autism spectrum disorder. So it is recognized as a disorder, but there's also this idea of embracing people who are differently abled instead of castigating and treating people as inferior. There are things that autistic people can do that we can't do, but we as, um, you know, you know, people who have, I, I don't want to say the word normal, but the sort of like are, are functional in so far as being able to, you know, navigate society successfully. Um, far, too, far too often we feel that the goal should be for people who are differently able to uh, have to assimilate to our comfort level. So, you know, act like us, hold eye contact, that you need to be more like us and that that way is the right way instead of us with all of our capabilities, recognizing how can we support these people who are more challenged. Right, it's like the homogenization of a society which destroys individuality, uniqueness, thinking outside of the box. And that's exactly where incredible inventions are born, new medical advances, technology that takes us into space. It's that different type of thinking. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go out on the ledge here with social media that we're on um, and say that social media does not necessarily help with that because, as we know from our daughter who watches TikTok all the time, it isn't showing you all these great and wonderful things that you can do. It's showing you all the stupid things that uh, people do and making stupid people famous. And so we're not, you know, promoting this idea of how can you strive towards greatness? It's like we're striving towards mediocrity. And and the internet has algorithms that find out what your pleasure sensors are, what your likes, your shopping habits, everything about you. And then they tailor content to you. So you're not getting diversity. We are not getting to see the same things that other people are seeing. And so it's a very narrow view. Yeah, correct. And so it's a form of information warfare that's happening. But, you know, getting back to the main point, the idea is that, you know, we are starting to, well, I was actually going to say, you know, even in uh, the field of, um, of uh, 
uh, sorry, mental health, one of the ways that we have treated people with who are on the autism spectrum is if they don't hold their eye gaze with us, like when we're training them to, you know, look people in the eyes, if they would look away, what they would do is they would have a spray bottle with a bitter with bitters in it and would spray it in their mouth and doing a sort of Pavlovian uh, conditioning to try and get autistic people to look at people through that sort of emotional conditioning. And I look at it now in short, what's that? Sounds creepy. It's, it's, you know, it goes back to this idea that that is, that's the treatment. If you look in the um, diagnostic systems manual for mental health, that is one of the treatments for uh, someone with autism. And I would, I have clients that are on the spectrum and I would never treat them that way. I would never expect them to have to uh, try and be something that they can't be. They're, they're, That's like, it reminds me of just like treating someone like a dog, you know, and it's just so dehumanizing yes. and makes me sad. Yes. Well, you know, um, healthcare, uh, medicine and mental health has a long history of treating people who are different um, as animals, unfortunately. So I know this has been a sort of roundabout sort of thing, but it gets back to this idea of of, of respecting someone for their qualities, whatever those qualities are, and how do we um, empower people when you empower someone to be their best self? Imagine, imagine all the things that we would be able to do if we spent, you know, more time empowering people instead of trying to, um, you know, break them down and make them feel like they're less than. And how much more could we learn as a society if we opened our eyes and our ears and listened and looked more with an inclusive type of gaze, uh, a curious gaze, uh, an open accepting gaze rather than with judgment and ridicule and you must be like me. Yes, closed, positioned, um, I know best. And a lot of that, as you mentioned, is for our comfort. Mm-hmm. We're not comfortable when people are different. Yes. And and then we kind of force them either through mean looks or exclusion or, or outright force. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's really wild. Yeah. And by the way, your glasses are fantastic because there's no glare. <laughs> reflection on your lenses from your computer screen like mine are just regular like I don't know they they really everything reflects off of them uh-huh. and you yours know, don't um Costco baby <laughs> you, know. Like Amazon, you know <laughs> buy a pack of five readers you know for ten dollars or whatever <laughs> I'm just like whatever you know I yeah when they're like what do you want on the lenses I'm just like Put it all. Give me, give it. I'm like, if I'm going to have to have glasses, like hook me up. Hook Got me the up. deluxe, the deluxe model. Well, I like the non-reflectivity. So that looks really good. Thanks. Um, okay. So then these last two that are on here, one of them I think is a dig towards me, but we'll, we'll dive into it. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> there's always one or two people that likes to give it to me. Same. I think. What? Same. <laughs> yeah, and maybe I misunderstood it. That's why I wanted to talk about it and have you like dissect it with me because maybe I maybe I read it wrong. Okay. Um, and there's another one that was a little confusing to me too. So I'm going to read the one that was a little confusing and you, maybe it'll make perfect sense to you. I don't know. It says, is it a simpler process for Callista to be affirmative since changes were evolved from within? Whereas Jennifer's came from outside a rock core belief affirmation could have been, I'm a good wife, lover, friend. If that fundamental self-identity had to be altered or at least questioned, it must be tough to be as sure of any affirmation. I was kind of scratching my head like what? (laughs) So if I understand the question, please reread the first part. I think that they're talking about your physical changes, like your surgeries, mm-hmm. you know, because they're saying um, 
And and I think, but then they say my changes came from outside. So I don't, maybe your changes are from the inside and mine were from the outside of like, I don't know, I'll read it again. Okay. Is it a simpler process for a Callista to be affirmative since changes were evolved from within? I see. Whereas Jennifer's came from outside. Okay. So changes for me came from both outside and inside. We have external influences and we have internal influences. So I would say no. I would say that, I mean, as I've talked before my transition, I struggled very, very hard against being, trying to be the person that I was told I was. So being assigned male at birth, and trying to live up to all of the expectations that I put on myself, that society put on me um, as a white male and, you know, coming from, you know, a middle-class environment and a good education, there was an expectation to perform a certain way. And it was, uh, it was so difficult to do that. And I, I mean, I remember a time and I know I've shared this story with you, Jennifer, like it wasn't too long after we bought our house. And I was reflecting on this at one point recently, we had to redo the swimming pool and I was trying to do it myself to save money. And I also was working freelance in the entertainment industry. And so I wasn't working. We had a newborn child we had just bought this house. There's a swimming pool that needs thousands and thousands of dollars in repair, and I have no money coming in, and I am depressed, and I am anxious, and I am trying to figure out, you know, how am I supposed to do all of this? What, what can I do? And feeling so helpless. And I remember being in that swimming pool, that empty swimming pool, and thinking to myself, I'm not just in a physical hole, I'm metaphorically in this hole and I don't know how to get myself out of it. And the messaging that came back to me was, well, this is what the rest of your life is going to be like, so you better get used to it. And so that was resigning myself to a lifetime of, you know, of pain, sadness and sorrow and depression. And, um, and so, no, I don't think that any of this was easy. And in fact, if it wasn't for the fact that I was constantly struggling, trying to figure out how to be happy, and you were a big part of that journey, as you know, in terms of me trying to figure out how can I finally be happy? What is wrong? Why am I always so sad that I had to, as I say, turn over every rock in the field of rocks looking for my happiness. And it wasn't until I turned over that one rock that I was afraid to turn over that I didn't want to. It you know, was the one that was shiny with like disco lights on it. And I was like, God forbid, I don't want to go near that rock. And sure enough, I turned it over and it's like, well, of course it was there all along. I just didn't want to see it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as you're telling the story, I remember you being in the pool and putting that coating on and all that kind of stuff. And how did we get through that? Did we borrow money? Did we spend it on a credit card? And then eventually one of us got some money and figured it out because we obviously survived. Yeah, we figured it out. Yeah, we figured it out. Um, You know, and I don't remember specifically, and it could have been a little bit of all those things until I got another job and was making money, but it was always that up and down, up and down. And it uh, used to just drive my anxiety through the roof because I was just so concerned about taking care of us and our child and... um, yeah, it just, I, I, I yeah, and you also had preoccupations with not feeling comfortable in your own skin. So it wasn't just no. the earn and all that, because if you were comfortable in your skin, you probably would have been fine. Like, Hey, let's work. Let's, let's hustle. Let's provide for the family. But you had so much else going on that it was just overwhelming. No, but no. I, I, I was just going to say, I think when a person is in 
dire straits and trouble and struggling, one of the things I think is important to do is keep putting one foot in front of the other, even though it seems like everything is desperate and desolate and there's no water to be found in this oasis of dry sand so to speak but by keeping putting one foot in front of the other keep trying keep talking keep any little piece of anything you can do to keep going eventually you you make progress yes and you you didn't give up in that pool no and you're absolutely right i mean giving up was not an option um, and so eventually, you know, like with everything, everything yeah. changes, nothing is ever the way it is the yeah. day that you're experiencing it. But it's so hard to see that sometimes yeah. it's so hard to keep going when you feel just the life draining out of you from physical exhaustion, mental exhaustion, you know, all of it. Yes, exactly. Um, and, you know, I think the thing, too, is that. Uh, I, as you said, I did have all of those other things that I was struggling with. I feel like if I had been born, you know, uh, happy to be the gender that I was assigned at birth, I I feel like things would have been so different for me. And I'm not saying that it's good, bad or indifferent. I'm just saying, like, I can look back now and see how many decisions I made were based on my distress or anxiety about not feeling enough and feeling like the sense of something felt off and something felt wrong. And as a result of that, of course, I I, I wasn't able, you've said this before, like, You've said, like, I was someone who was living their life at 25% of their ability. And when I transitioned, you recognized, like, wow, like, you, you, you noticed, like, this change in how much more engaged I was and how much more self-assured and, as a result, willing to step up and, and be a leader in my own life. Um, and, and so I wonder like, gosh, if I had just felt this way from day one, what would my life have been like? And it's, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't want to regret because there's nothing there for me with regret, but, you know, just, you, you think about, you can't help but think about how things could be different. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. So the next we're moving on. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So the next one, this is the one that I think was, wait a second. What is this? Um, Oh, well, another one of, okay. This is not the one I was thinking of. It's something else. It says, I think that transgenders could be called only persons that transition medically. Otherwise are simply persons suffering from gender dysphoria. Oh, they're saying, that they think that you can only call yourself a trans person if you have the surgery. If you don't have the surgery, you can only say that you're suffering from gender dysphoria. That's their take on it. What do you think? Um, No, I disagree with that because uh, being trans is not necessarily, some people are trans and they choose not to. Right, Uh, we've talked about that. Yeah. For various reasons, they choose not to have surgery. Yeah. And so that's fine. Um, There are there is no right way to do this. And it doesn't you know, part of me just wants to say it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It's a question of what you think and what feels most affirming to you, regardless of whether you're trans or cis or gay or straight or bi or pan or demi or black or blue or yellow you know it's just do what feels most affirming to you and not worry about what anybody else thinks because the majority of the people who will say well I think this dot 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 haven't done a lick of reading or research about the thing that they're giving their opinion on and so yeah but no no that's fine yeah so I just think that you know these people these people quote unquote a lot of people just love to uh say like that they know best when 
they're not experts in the field and it's just opinion anyway. And we care too much about, I cared too much about what I thought other people thought of me for too long. And I wasn't living up to my potential when I did that. I was going to add that a lot of people that are against all this, all these different labels and these different choices of how we identify probably don't have a trans person in their life, a gay person in their life, like family. Yeah. You know, they probably don't have a, a gay or bi or lesbian child or a trans child. So they once they do, and if they love that child, they're going to feel more protective over people's rights to have these different expressions, I, I feel. And yeah. I feel like people that are not touched by any of that, that are very quick to denounce it. Yeah. I mean, like, take, for example, if we want to say, like, well, you can only be trans if you have the surgery. Um, you know, there's so many surgeries that we have to uh, make ourselves feel comfortable in our bodies. And that is about getting rid of dysphoria. But I would say that, and there are some people who feel that if you don't have dysphoria, then you're not trans. I do not subscribe to that because again, it's not my place to tell other people how they should feel or how they should identify. Why do I care? It's, it's yeah, and there's different levels to everything, different right. levels, how everyone feels about everything. Right. But, you know, say for example, if, you know, um, you have a child, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and they are, uh, as far as you know, born cisgender and heterosexual, but they have yet to have sex, does that actually make them asexual? If they have attraction, if they say they're attracted to the opposite sex, you would just assume uh, that they are a heterosexual child, even if they haven't had sex before, but maybe we shouldn't. Maybe if they haven't had sex, we should just refer to all children as being asexual. Um, you know, if we're going to say that you can't be trans unless you have the surgery, you know, there's so many things that it would be so lovely if, you know, human beings love to put things in the boxes and say, this is this. And when we do that, we, as a result, throw away or refuse to look at so many other things. And oftentimes, we do have outliers. We do have things that don't fit neatly into the box. In fact, society and people as a whole is like a big, you know, we're we're the biggest S show on the planet, you know? And, and it's like, you know? And it's like, none of this is makes sense. It's all crazy. And I just wish people, you know, would just worry about themselves, you know? and stop worrying about what other people think of you and you stop worrying about what other people are doing. As long as it's not affecting you, let people live, live their life. Yeah. <laughs> Remember you, Jennifer, live your life. Maybe, oh man, that was a big theme. I was, I'd had a couple of beers and I was like, <laughs> upset with Callista on a vacation. And I know you had a couple beers. <laughs> It's a long backstory and I wasn't alone. My sister was with me and it started at 10 a.m. But, you know, we will digress. And not <laughs> yes. But by the time you got back from playing golf with my dad, which was a whole S show of its own from what I was told. Um, yeah, I was cartwheeling down the beach in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, telling you, live your life. Live your life. <laughs> well, I didn't say close at the time. I was using the other name. And I was so like... I think I was really starting to come undone because I knew something wasn't right. And mm -hmm. I was just losing my mind for a variety of reasons on that trip. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we explore all of that in another episode. Complete with recordings. Don't you dare. <laughs> Don't you dare, because I think I have a video recording or audio recording of you at a soccer match. 
Remember having drinks with some of the soccer dads? Nope. Yeah, you wouldn't. <laughs> Fair <laughs> I enough. Recorded, I recorded that too as payback for you recording me. Ah. Okay, anyway, so let's get to the, let's get to the last one. Okay. Um, it's this is the one where I think it was a dig towards me. Mm. Uh, this person they've written lots of things, um, but this one says. A victim narcissist is one of the hardest personality disorders to deal with on a daily basis in a romantic relationship. So it's not so much a question as it is a comment. And I think that it was directed towards me. I think this person was basically trying to say, hey, Callista, wink, wink, that victim narcissist, Jennifer, to the left of you or whatever, is um, is really hard to deal with. Do you think that's what she meant? Um, I'm assuming so. Uh, you know, what episode was this in? Oh, I forgot to check. Um, let me see. I might be able to look it up, but maybe, maybe I just took it too personal and it wasn't about me. Um, what do you think about a victim narcissist type of personality? Is that a difficult one to deal with in a romantic relationship? And how, how do you, how does that show up? Yeah. So I'm going to answer this as a therapist. Um, You know, narcissism, what we call narcissistic personality disorder, um, is is about, like you're saying, victim narcissist, but it's just narcissists always feel that, you know, it's a witch hunt. Everybody's against me. I know best. People like that have no empathy for anybody else, and they also gaslight other people. They uh, thrive on um, being toxic towards other people. They also have um, very concrete views of people, either you're good or you're bad, there's no in between. And so when you agree with them, when you do what they want you to do, you're good. But anytime you have your own opinion or don't resonate with what they want, you're horrible, you're terrible all of that. And, um, and so narcissists are one of the most toxic and worst types of personality disorders there are. Now with personality disorders, they don't go away. It isn't like, oh, we'll just take this pill or hey, you're a narcissist and let's start figuring out. You can improve. You can try to work on being more um, aware of what other people are thinking, but We call it a narcissistic personality disorder. There are other ones. I remember, Jennifer, you and I talked about someone with a histrionic personality disorder. And all of these fall under this category of uh, what we used to consider someone as a sociopath. And a sociopath is someone who is unable to have any empathy for another person. It is only for themselves. Even if it is their own child, it is always about how that child makes them feel or seeing that child as an extension as of themselves. Their own family can even be considered an extension of that person if the family is aligned and under the control of what the narcissist wants. So um, being a victim, you can certainly be a victim and act like a victim and that isn't a personality disorder. Uh, oftentimes, just, that's just a label. Um, and we can choose. If we feel like we're a victim of something, we can choose to shift that to being a survivor and work towards, instead of feeling sorry for ourselves and looking for the world to offer sympathy for us and, and not taking personal responsibility, being able to shift that to a place of where you are taking responsibility for yourself and saying, you know what, I'm a survivor and I'm not going to let those circumstances overpower me anymore or what that person did. I'm not going to keep giving my power away to them so that I continue to feel afraid of the world. So being a victim is a completely different thing than being a narcissist. Um, okay. But I, having known and been friends with People who are um, narcissists, uh, I will say that they can be very engaging. They can be very charismatic, uh, but they also thrive on seeing you never rise, always being someone that they can control and 
feel better than because that's how they get their own sense of feeling better about themselves is thinking that they're better by keeping everybody else down. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't identify as a narcissist at all, but then I was going to add a narcissist doesn't know they're a narcissist. (laughs) Fair. Fair. But I absolutely 100% do not believe I'm a narcissist and I don't believe I'm a victim. I get sad about stuff. I think this person just thinks that this person has made a lot of comments over the, the course of our 101 episodes where they feel like I'm kind of a trying to put you in your place or I need to be right or I need to make you look bad to make myself look better, which I think if we were to look at the whole of our uh, rage content, I don't think that there would be a majority of me trying to put you down. I think it's quite the opposite. It's um, we're having real- trying to put you down. <laughs> no, no, I, I think the other person, I think the person who wrote these comments that thinks I'm trying to put you down. Sure. I'm trying to be right. And I'm like, woes me. You've done all these terrible things to me. This is just my interpretation of some of the comments that I've seen from this particular person. And then when I read the victim narcissist thing, I was like, oh, this person is going right for me with that (laughs) one. I'm like, ping pong. I'm not accepting that. (laughs) Well, girl, I just have to decide. I mean, I just have to say, like, thank God for me. Look at all the extra D you've been getting in your life because I'm not in it anymore. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. Well, it's all quiet on the Western Front right these days. <laughs> Fair. Okay. Um, and we're not even going to go, you know, we're not, I'm not even talking about, I'm not even going to talk about me. All I do is work. <laughs> you said that was such like heated. All I do is work. I do. All I do is frustrated over there. Yes, a little bit. <laughs> oh, this is so funny. Okay. So the last one is not really a question. Again, it's kind of a dig at me from someone else. And it says, <laughs> Jennifer just says, that's the way the media makes it seem. So let me just go along with that. So they were upset that I had quoted something the media had said about trans community or trans people probably having to do with the trans athlete episode, which was very heated and contentious. And there was a lot of emotion. But what I will say to a comment like that is, Sometimes I will repeat something that's online or in the media so that we can have a discussion about it. It doesn't mean that I am saying this is fact or that I 100% believe something that I read, but I have brought things up for us to have a discussion. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to apologize for that. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> stop apologizing. I'm not apologizing. <laughs> right. No, and, you know, as far as... Listen, we live in a society, it's complicated, we get all this messaging, and I think, I'll say for myself, I've been known to repeat things from a trans-aligned point of view, because, of course, that's who I am, and I want to see my community thrive, and, you know, maybe sometimes I get it wrong, because I'm repeating all of the things that are in support of uh, my community but it doesn't necessarily mean like I'm sitting there like, you know, give me every piece of information and uh, data that exists about this so that I can do my own, you know, analysis of the situation and have an opinion. And again, this is something that we all do. We all have our own opinions based on how we feel about things. And and that's called a bias, right? Like just yes. a natural bias that doesn't mean it's to be bad person. I mean, this whole format is for us to have conversations. It is to have differences of opinion. And if we agreed about every single thing that we talked about here, boring. I mean, (laughs) right? It'd be like the yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, you. Yes, them. Yes, they. Show. Yeah. And I am going to like, you know, defend my community because it is under attack. Um, And, you know, and it's being used for, uh, you know, to galvanize, uh, you know, a conservative base. And it doesn't, 
reflect the reality, but um, it's used to make people like me uh, as if I'm supposed to feel bad about who I am. I'm supposed to be ashamed of who I am. And supposed to feel less than and feel not less welcome. Than. Yeah. And so here again. And afraid. They want you to feel afraid. Yes, exactly. And so I'm not going to do that. That's how I spent the first half of my life. So I'm not going to do that. And unfortunately, that message does resonate with a lot of my community. And that is exactly the intention that it has. It is a message intended to cause harm. And um, and, and and again, it's done out of a you know, a desire for many of these people to um, gather power and their own wealth and their own self-importance. Yes. Well, I don't have any more questions for today. <laughs> okay. Gone on kind of longer than usual, right? Because we're on Zoom, so we were just chatting away. Chatting away, yes. So... Um, let's wrap it up because I have to get this, you know, this puppy needs to go to press. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, it's going to air. But I am I'm so glad that we did this because I feel like I, you know, we really do our best to answer everyone's questions. But these yeah. questions were left unanswered on the Internet. So now we have addressed them. And I feel like good about that. And thank you, Calista, for your input. Um, I'm sure there's a few other questions that I, I didn't see. And I'll gather those for another episode at another time. So okay. have a good night, everyone, or good day. Who knows what time you're watching <laughs> good this. Good day to you, Listening. man. Good day. Good day. I said good and, day. Um, gratitude. I have this meme I'm going to have to send you afterwards. That's an inside joke, everyone. All right, let's 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 wrap it up. Okay. <laughs> yes. Thank you for watching. Yes, thank you um, to our patron support, our Patreon supporters, our patrons. I'm never, right. never going to get it right. Please like, share, and subscribe. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Good night. Or bye. Or good day. Gratitude. <laughs> thank you for tuning into The Rage. If you haven't done so already, please hit the like, share, and subscribe button now. We truly appreciate all your wonderful support. Find us on social media at The Rage Episodes and leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Want to get more involved? Join us on Patreon. Supporters receive extra benefits as well as access to member-only content. Thanks again and have a beautiful day.